Life Audio. Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Today, David and I are excited to launch a new themed episode on the show where we'll address the concerns or questions we get directly from you and families like yours. If you've had a burning question, a curious inquiry, or you just want to pick the topic for an episode, here's your chance. Send your questions to podcast at teachthemdiligently.net and let your family's voice be heard on the podcast. We can't wait to dive into your thoughts and make our podcast a true family affair. Tune in every Friday to see if your question gets featured. Now, since I have David on the show with me today, we're going to address a question we get fairly often And that is about the one thing that as we look back, we see as being critically important in our family. I think you'll be really surprised when you hear where this episode goes, so be sure to stick around. Today's podcast is sponsored by the award-winning CSB Explorer Bible for Kids. Check out that Bible and all the tools that it has to offer your family at teachthemdiligently.net forward slash Explorer Bible. Now stay tuned. David and I will be right back to talk about that one thing that we look back on and see as being so very important for our family. Welcome back to the podcast, baby. It's been a while. Well, it's good to be here. Well, good, good. We had a very busy summer. You know, we haven't done a podcast just us since probably May or June. We had a very crazy summer. Our first child got married. So we got in July, we we gained a daughter-in-law, which was a lot of fun. We had another one that got engaged. So in December, we'll be gaining a son-in-law. So there's this is just a season of a whole lot of change for us. It's amazing because it's like we were just moving along, doing our thing. And then all of a sudden, we have one that's getting married and one that has been married and one that's actually, you know, talking about doing something completely different and moving out. So we could in January, February, we could actually have one at home, which is a, quite a swing. It is a big swing. It is. And it's funny. My mom always told me that God gives you the grace for the next season when that season comes. So don't borrow trouble. Don't worry about things before they get here. He will give you the grace. And I found that to be so incredibly true this summer as we've kind of entered this season of change. Things that I dreaded actually were joyful and enjoyable and have proven to be so good and so natural that it's hard to even think of them any other way. I think God is so good to prepare his people for that moment. But looking in advance, like looking a year or two years down the road, it almost takes your breath away to think of. Well, I mean, you said often that each stage that the children have been in has been your favorite. Yes, absolutely. And there's always a sense of maybe a little bit of grief about, you know, grieving about what is is happening. They're growing up. They're no longer little anymore. Now they're going into high school or whatever the stage might be. You start to get concerned about, okay, what is this next stage going to be like? Uh, This is ending. I don't want it to end. I'm enjoying this. This has been so fun. This has been so great. But then they get into the next stage and you're like, well, this is, this is even better. 
this is this is really great and so with with that knowledge it really gives you a lot of comfort in going into the next stage yeah it absolutely does i remember like you noted every transition point there seems to be that that little bit of grief that little bit of fear that little bit of insecurity that satan would love to just trip us up and kind of freeze us in our tracks and yet we have seen over and over and over again how faithful God is, how good God is, and that allows you to get into that next stage and say, you know, whether it is toddlers to to little children or little children to big children or big children to middle schoolers or whatever, that next phase can absolutely be your favorite if you're growing together as a family, if you are keeping your eyes fixed on the right thing, if, and this kind of is a natural segue you had that one thing really, truly buckled down. So what, you know, you and I have talked about this a, a decent amount over the years, have seen it play out in different ways. I don't think that we even realized what our one thing was, though, until we had some rearview mirror to kind of look back and see how it was all woven together. Well, I, I think it's packaging, right? It's how we package it and, and framed it in our own head. Yeah. You know, I remember, well, so first of all, when you ask me this question, what is the one thing you get this question all the time from parents? And I think it's because they want to, they want that one thing that they can focus on to make sure that they don't mess this one thing up. You know, this is now going to be my priority. And that's the, the spirit in the way that they ask the question. And when you asked me this question, I immediately, you know, I was like, we need to do this. We need to talk about what this one thing is on the next podcast. And what our one thing is, was it just kind of developed over time. And I remember sitting in church one day and listening to our pastor at the time. Now, this is when the kids were really, really young. We were in Lilburn, Georgia, and we were not married for very long. But I remember the pastor saying that, and he may have been frustrated when he said this. I don't know what he was dealing with at the time or who had come to him for counseling. And he was just frustrated because there was no development in that family or what. But he said, I am convinced that most parents' goal is just to keep their children out of jail. And then he made this statement of, you need to think higher than that. And you need to take the standpoint, again, this is him continuing to talk, that your children have to run over you to go to hell. Yep. And when he said that, I was actually convicted. I don't remember anything else the guy said during that service, at least not right now. But I remember when he said that, it struck me because I was like, okay, I need to actually have a higher view. I need to actually do a goal that is worthy of my parenting, my life together with my kids, if I'm going to devote all of this effort and all of this time and all of these years to my children, my goal needs to actually be a big goal. Right. It it, it can't be, I just want them to stay out of jail. I just want them to stay out of trouble. Not embarrass me. I want them to <laughs> just not embarrass me. And so I would say that 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 first of all would be the first layer of this. What is this one thing? And it is you need to have a big goal. Well, you yeah, need to actually need, reach. You need to think big and not think small. We are so geared as a people to look at those. We want check boxes. We want that next little thing. We want to be able to cross off our to-do list. 
But that one thing is too big for a checkbox. It's too big. It's so all-encompassing that it's something that you can shoot for with all the other things that line up under it. And that's why it's so important because when your vision, when your your idea, you're thinking big enough for your role in your children's lives and your role in what God has for them, when you see the majesty and the grandeur of that, then it's so much easier to line everything up under it. I talk in one of my sessions in particular that I think I've thought of as I was talking here, we were sitting in church one Sunday and a lyric from a Getty song came across the screen. Uh, actually, it was on a song sheet that we had because we were just learning the song. And the the lyric is, speak, O Lord, help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. And the Lord just got a hold of my heart right then. And I remember thinking, Lord, how small we view your plan for us, how little we value the the responsibility and the amazing privilege that we have to parent and direct and guide and educate our children. And that that is just, you've got to reorient yourself to the way that God sees your role in their lives and start thinking much bigger. So, so that reorientation actually would involve you having such a big goal that it's a reach, that it's a stretch for you. And you actually feel humbled by it. Like, there's no way that I can do this on my own. If you're not feeling that way, your goal is probably not big enough. That That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about when you're t- thinking about what is the one thing. You need to think big and not just think big. And I'm in relation to your children and parenting them and discipling them and raising them. You need to think big. And I'm not talking about they need to get a PhD from Oxford. I mean, you need to think big in terms of their relationship with the Lord. And so in my particular case, I remember doing devotions with the kids once upon a time, and I was reading the story of the road to Emmaus. And this story is one of my favorites in the Bible. And this is, I think, you know, many of you guys at home, and listening in your cars as you're driving, you would remember this story because it is after the resurrection in the city of Jerusalem. There's these, everybody's talking in the streets about Jesus Christ and the fact that he was crucified and that the disciples and the, the, the women that had gone to the grave are talking about him resurrecting him being alive. And everybody is talking. Is this really true? Is this not? And one day, Sunday, there are two disciples that were followers of his that are walking along. And then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes up to them. They don't know it's Jesus Christ. And he spends the entire day with them. They don't know who he is. And they're talking to this, you know, this person about, ironically, you know, is this true that Jesus Christ has actually been resurrected? Is he the Christ? And it was Jesus Christ, but they didn't recognize him. And then all of a sudden, and he goes through, Jesus Christ starts teaching them. They, they eat dinner together, and he he's teaching them. And then all of a sudden, the, it says that the disciples recognize him. And as soon as they recognize him, Jesus Christ leaves. It's like he vanishes. And they look at each other. And they say, 
did not our heart burn within us when he was talking to us? After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. The award-winning CSB Explorer Bible for Kids helps kids place God's Word in the middle of God's world. Within its engaging, full-color pages, kids will interact with the people, places, and things of the Bible and God's creation. Fascinating images, illustrations, timelines, and study helps show archaeological evidence, introduce key characters, explain new concepts, and help kids experience the wonder and truth of the Bible. QR codes placed throughout the Bible bring educational videos, discussion questions, and activity pages to life, helping kids apply key truths of the Bible to real-world experiences. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash Explorer Bible to get your copy now. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net forward slash Explorer Bible. And I remember literally tearing up when I read this in the middle of the the devotions. And my thought process was, this is what I want for my kids. I want them to have such a relationship with Jesus Christ that when they are in his presence, when they are praying to him, when they're reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit is speaking to them through the word of God, that their heart burns within them, that they're not just going through the motions of going to church, singing the songs, you know, you stand up for a song and then you sit, you know, we we know the motions, right? I didn't want that for them. I want them to have an experiential relationship with Jesus Christ where their heart burned within them and they knew that feeling of actually having a relationship with Jesus. And that's what I wanted. And the truth is that that's not something that I can really give them. I can put them in situations where they will come to know Jesus Christ, but I can't save them. I can't force them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ on that level. And so it's beyond me. But I was committed to doing what I could on my side to make sure that that happened. And that goal is what fed everything we did from that point forward. That that fed the way we decorated our walls. We made sure we had, you know, scriptures up on our walls so that and we made sure that we put them in places that when the kids came out of their rooms and came out of their bathroom and walked in through the front door, they would see these scriptures. We put them everywhere. We had them real big uh, above, you know, the little window that's in the kitchen, we put them in places that they would see them. So it, it 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 impacted the way we decorated our home. It impacted where we went to church. It impacted where we live. It impacted the job that I made the decision to to do and to take, and you know, to one day start teach them diligently and work for Worldwide Ten Makers. It impacted the choice of whether or not we homeschooled. It impacted me having my devotions every single morning and how long that I made sure that I was reading the Bible and praying. It impacted what we did before the kids went to bed. It impacted so many layers of our life with them. We were at church every single time that the doors were open. And the reason why we did that was because we wanted to put them in situations where 
they could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It impacted them counseling at the wilds because we wanted to put them in a situation where they actually had an opportunity to lead somebody else to the Lord. It You start going through the list, and that was the one thing that drove everything that we did. And so we didn't make the decision to homeschool because we were mad at a school system or we didn't feel like they were getting good enough education. And there's a lot of parents that have made the decision to homeschool because of that. And I'm not saying that you've done something horrible. What I am saying is that's a good start. Now you need to reach beyond that. And what is that one thing? And the one thing always has to involve Jesus Christ. And so that was what I feel like that happened with us. And even though it's not like a formula, and at moments we were not, you know, writing out a 10-year plan or anything like that, but it did drive us. Well, it is actually kind of a formula because, you know, the Bible gives us one mission. We are to go into all the world and, and preach the gospel. We are to, and he says that the Holy Spirit will give us power in Acts 1-8 to do that, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And as we started getting down the road and we started seeing the work that God was doing in us and through us, we started to see that our home was actually our Jerusalem. That was ground zero for us to be God's witnesses, to to tell the good news of the gospel and what Jesus had done. And and once we started piecing all that together, we recognized the power and the importance of that mission right within our homes, which has really been a driving factor of not only us you know, privately within our family, but of of the doors that God has opened for us in ministry through Teach Them Diligently and Worldwide Tent Makers. But there really is a little bit of a formula to it because if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, you have that same mandate that we do, period. That's what Jesus left us with. And you are positioned as a parent where your home too is your Jerusalem. Therefore, there is a formula there. You you have this opportunity to present to your children the gospel and what being a Christian really is. And that shows up in a whole lot of different ways. And like David said, you know, that that mission, that one thing that was so very important to us. And and I want to just stop and and thank the Lord. We we're privileged to be in a church where we were exposed to this kind of an ideology when we were very young parents. My parents had actually been on mission as well. They had done a great job preparing my sister and I, but they never talked this way. They hadn't put it all together of what they were actually doing, which I think that so many of us are obediently following and we don't really see exactly everything that we're doing until we look back. But we were very privileged to be in a church where we were presented with the truth that David led with, where, you know, so many families are content just to keep their kids out of jail. And you've got to think higher than that. You've got to aim higher. And from that point on, again, Camden, I don't even know if Peyton was born yet. So they were very, very little. But from that point on, that drove every conversation within our house. That drove the way that we were preparing ourselves as parents. The investment in our relationship with God took on a whole new level because it wasn't just mine. It was, I have to have a relationship with God so that I can have the overflow of that to direct the conversations I have with my kids. It drove us to our knees because we recognized 
that only through prayer and getting in God's word were we going to have the wisdom to disciple and shepherd the hearts of our children and to point them in the directions that they will go. It directed the way that we educated because we wanted time and opportunity and homeschooling gave us those things. Now, it also gave us great educational benefits, but ultimately we were looking for the time and the opportunity that it gave us. We've kind of written about that in in the Heart School book and courses and masterclasses and all of that stuff to try to help people understand how homeschooling is not your mission. It's a great tool to accomplish your mission and how you can line it up to really utilize that time. That's a heart schooling approach, which is which is what God directed us to do. But that is the one thing, that missional view of what God is doing in you and through you and how you can put that in play for the good of your children to prepare them to walk through whatever doors God opens for them in the days ahead. So that envelops good academics because if they're going to be prepared to walk through whatever doors, they're going to need those. Yeah, you need to equip them. But you also... If they're going to be prepared to walk through the doors that God opens for them, they also have to have a heart that desires to follow him through whatever doors he opens for them. And that's where that incredible privilege that only we have of discipling and shepherding the hearts of our children really comes in. Yeah. I mean, so the the, the one thing is it's so big that you don't feel like you can do it on your own. Like you need help for this. Like you need God to have help oh, you do this. It needs to be something that you don't feel like you're enough to actually do. It's something that you're stretched. That's one layer of this. The other layer of this is that you don't state it as in a negative fashion, meaning I just want to keep my children from this, or I don't want my children to be this, or I don't want to do this or whatever. It's in a positive way. I want this to happen. That's what it needs to be. It needs to be a, you know, looking forward, I want to achieve this, not I don't want to achieve this. It's I want to have this happen. I want this thing to be a reality. And that is what I'm going to chase after. And that becomes your one thing. And again, it needs to be a big thing. It needs to involve Jesus Christ, right? When I say it needs to be a big thing, I feel like I'm being too general. It needs to involve Jesus Christ. It needs to be a Jesus Christ kind of goal. And it needs to make you feel like you can't achieve it on your own. But it also needs to be stated in a positive way. I want this to happen, not I don't want this to happen. Right, right. You know, we um, earlier this summer... There was a statement made that rocked my world in the best possible way. I wrote it down because I don't ever want to forget it. And I want to share it with you guys because I think that if I wanted to encapsulate what that one thing is, this statement from one of my kids actually does that better than I ever could because I couldn't say this. My oldest son said to us earlier in this summer, He said that we were good home educators. He felt ready for college, you know, all of that stuff. But he said we were excellent parents. There could not have been a higher, more amazing thing said because I want my legacy to be I was an excellent parent that brought my kids to Jesus, that gave them the right view 
of what living for him looks like through the good, through the bad, through the up, through the down. My kids got to see us struggle and rejoice. They got to see us walk by faith. They got to see us in good times and bad times. They got to see in and out what it looks like to follow Jesus with your whole heart. And that is the one thing by God's grace, drawing near to him so that you can pass on a faith that will stick with your kids. So that is that really is what we wanted to pass on to you guys today. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is similar I, in, in the uh, parent intensive that, that we're going through with, I think it's 12 families, 13, fam- 15 families. I asked the parents to do Thanksgiving with their children every single day. And we had one mom that said, I was so thankful because when I asked my children what they were thankful for, they said me. And it warmed her heart to be able to hear that. It's such an encouragement. It is such an encouragement. And that's what you want to live in such a way that you get those things from time to time where the Lord just gives you a treasure that you're able to keep with you and hide in your heart, just like Mary did, where you're able to chew on it later. So, you know, we talk all the time about how the Great Commission starts right at home. Your home is your Jerusalem. And ultimately, that truly is the driver of the one thing in your life. Your mission as a parent should be so big, so audacious that you know that you can't do it on your own. And yet by God's grace, as you walk with him, as you draw near, as you stay on your knees in prayer, as you work together as a couple, with your eyes focused on presenting to your children the goodness and the grace of the one who loved them so much that he sent his son to die for them, and then to prepare them to follow him no matter what he leads them to do in the days ahead, that truly will make you come out the other side of parenting unbelievably successful with such incredible memories and the contentment of knowing that you will hear one day, well done, now good and faithful servant. You have served right where you were planted during the season of your life. So I hope that this has been an encouragement to you and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more, so check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, You'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm-hmm.